Man, it's so good to see you all this morning. What a great day it is for us to be able to celebrate a new year, year together as believers in Christ coming together knowing that we have something to celebrate beyond anything else outside of this room, outside of this, uh, this congregation, outside of the idea of Christ being our Savior. What an incredible thing that is. I hope you had a wonderful, wonderful week this last week celebrating Christmas with family. But more importantly, I hope that you thought about the idea of Jesus coming as a Savior to you, that he came in order to give you life. He came in order that you might be able to experience the ability to have forgiveness, freedom, and ultimately home with the Father in heaven forever and ever. That's an incredible thing for us to celebrate during Christmas. But what another wonderful thing it is for us today to start a new year together. As believers in Jesus Christ, being able to say, hey, listen, we have a new year, but we have purpose not because of a new year, but because of our Savior who in fact came for us. That's the incredible reality of who we are as believers. And so, you know, with uh, New Year, oftentimes we discuss this idea of new beginnings, don't we? We talk about the idea that there's a fresh start. There's the ability for us now to look at things in a new light, to have a clean slate, to be able to move forward in a great thing. So New Year's bring about fresh starts. They give us the ability to have motivation, maybe to do things differently than we did last year. Maybe to do new things that we didn't get to do last year, but we have this idea of being able to have a fresh start, a blank slate to say, I'm going to move forward with motivation in a new way, and I'm excited about that. You know, with each year, it seems like there are people doing things like having a resolution, right? That we have to have a, a new year to start a resolution, to have something new in our lives, but that's oftentimes what takes place. We have these new resolutions that take place, and they kind of remind me of, do you remember when you were a little kid, and you're playing a game, and all of a sudden it didn't quite go the way you wanted to, and so what do kids do? They say, do over, I want to do over, right? Uh, you know, adults do this as well uh, when they're playing golf, it's called a mulligan, right? So nothing changes, right? That There always has this idea of a do-over, and so we have this idea of, I want to do that over. I didn't like the way that went. I want to start over and do things differently. I want to change. I want to erase that and move forward. You know, people do that every single year. As a matter of fact, there are typically surveys taken of what people have as a resolution in the new year. So here are some of the things that were taken as far as this survey for 2023. 52% in this survey said that they wanted exercise more. Can I get an amen? Anybody? You're like, oh, me. No, I don't want that. Okay. If you do, then you can talk to Josh over here. He'll help you out. Okay. Uh, my wife is saying, man, my legs hurt because she worked out yesterday. So good job, Josh. Okay. 50% uh, want to eat healthier. That kind of goes along with working out. 40% want to lose weight. That's probably more than that. They just didn't want to admit it on here. Okay. 39% to save more money. 37% to spend more time with friends and family. 30, uh, let's see, no, 20% uh, to spend less time on social media. That'd be a good goal for everybody. Let's get that stuff out of our life a little bit more. 19% to reduce stress on the job. 19% to reduce spending on living expenses. So there's different things that people have there that they put in place for a resolution in their life. The sad thing is, that statistically, 80% of all resolutions will fail by the second week of February, right? And interestingly enough as well, only 8% of all resolutions make it all year long. 
And so we think, wow, that's terrible. Why would I even set a resolution? Resolutions aren't bad. I just think we need to have the proper motivation. As a matter of fact, that's what one person is quoted saying. He says, you'll need to figure out what motivates you if you want to achieve your goals. He says, you'll need to find a sustainable source of motivation if you want to accomplish your New Year goals. And I think he's absolutely right when we think about that. We need to have a sustainable source of motivation. But can I tell you something? You and I as believers have far greater of a motivation than anyone else outside of the body of Christ. And that's Jesus. And that is not only the fact that Jesus came for us as a baby in the manger, but the fact that he went to the cross for us. And not only that, because if we stop there, we miss the point, but that he rose from the dead for us. That he was resurrected. That's the motivation right now. That's something that we ought to consider as we look at a new year. Last time I spoke with you, I made a comment that maybe took you off guard a little bit, but a comment that I think is a pretty powerful one, and that is this. When you see the manger, you see, you should see the cross in the background. We don't think about the manger like that, but whenever we see a manger, we ought to see the cross in the background of that manger, because if you leave Jesus in the manger, you miss the point of why he came. And so as we looked at and celebrated this wonderful gift of Christmas and this wonderful gift of the fact that Jesus came, what I want us to do today is to look on the back end and rejoice in the resurrection. To start our new year with motivation that Jesus, in fact, did rise from the dead. And that ought to give you incredible motivation as we look at 2023. But as we think about the do-over that kids often like to throw out, you notice that oftentimes what happens with the do-over is that kids, when they start the game over, they change the rules a little bit. Right? They try to twist it and say, wait a second, we need to add this, we need to cut this, let's change the rules. And so this morning what I want us to do is I want us to look at four rule changes that you ought to implement into your life in the year 2023, four things that can help you find motivation to follow Christ this year in 2023. And I want to tell everyone in this room, you ought to have a resolution, not just on New Year's, but every single day of your life. Today, I'm going to follow Jesus. Today, I'm going to pursue Christ better than I did yesterday. That ought to be our resolution every morning that we wake up. So let's see how can we do that this morning. If you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 28, I want us to take a look at the resurrection. Starting in verse 1, it says this, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven, and he came down, and he rolled back the stone, and he sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards, they trembled, and they became dead like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. But he is not here, for he is risen, as he said, Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the, de the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I've told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell the disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. 
and they came up and they took hold of his feet and they worshiped him. And then Jesus said, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. What a powerful text that should give you motivation. The fact that Jesus rose from the dead, it's not a figment of our imaginations. It actually took place. And with that, I want you to consider four things that you can do in this new year. Based upon what we see right here in this text, the first thing is this. When all around you crumbles, remain devoted to God. When all around you crumbles, you remain devoted to God. Now, Matthew tells us that two Marys, they went to the tomb. Now, they weren't alone. Other gospels tell us that Salome and Joanna were with with these ladies. And so they went to the tomb. But I want you to notice something that's so important that we might glance over at times. These two, three, four, five, however many women were with them, they experienced something that completely crushed them in every single part of their life. You see, they had spent the last three years following Jesus. They had spent the last three years falling in love with Jesus. They had spent the last three years listening to him teach, listening to him in his promises, following and listening and obeying and doing all that they could to implement all that Jesus said into their life. But think about what these women this very morning were going through. They were going through the worst, most horrific thing that they could ever experience in their life. Maybe you've experienced the death of a loved one. Maybe you've gone through that horrible tragedy and and, and sensed how painful it was and how difficult that was. And you know what it feels like if you've been through that. These women were at the brink of disaster in their lives because they were crushed because their entire future was not what they thought it was. Their life was coming crumbling down to an end. As a matter of fact, these Marys, they'd been at the foot of the cross. They'd watched at a front row seat what was taking place and what had taken place with Christ. As a matter of fact, Scripture tells us that they were some of the last two. They remained all the way to the end when they took Jesus off of that cross. These women loved Jesus and their world had come to a crashing halt because they saw everything crumbling before their very eyes. But look what they do. Look what they do in verse 1. Out of devotion and love for Jesus Christ, they go one more time to minister to him. To show their affection for him. show their love for him. And so they go to the tomb of all places. The place that would remind them that their world has come to an end. That their world has crumbled. They go to the tomb because they love Jesus that much. I think it's an incredible thing that they do this. The unfortunate reality for us as we think about this and how it might apply to our lives is the fact that you and I are going to deal with circumstances in life that crush us. Maybe you've already been there. Maybe 2022 was one of those times that that happened and you're thinking, I'm ready for 23 because I'm tired of that. But can I tell you, the chances are because we live in a sinful world, things are going to take place in 23 that are going to cause your world to feel like it is crumbling. The question is, what do you do in that time? The question is, how do you respond when the world feels like it is crumbling around you? Often our natural inclination is... To wallow in our misery. Woe is me, poor me, I can't believe I have to deal with this. Right? That's the wrong idea, that's the wrong thought. Can I encourage you with this? When it feels like all is falling apart, turn to Jesus. You be devoted to Jesus. 
When everything else around you feels like it's gone, you turn and you follow after Christ no matter what. You may not know exactly what this is supposed to look like. Can I encourage you? It can be simply reading scriptures, and I want to encourage you to jump into the Psalms whenever you are feeling pain, your world feels like it's crumbling, that you would pray, and I think even just as importantly that you would get around to other believers, even when you don't feel like it. That you would surround yourself with believers when you are at a place when your life is crumbling. That's the very thing I did whenever my brother died. I went to church so I could be around people that would say, you're all right because Christ is with you. I think that's something important for us. But stay devoted to the one who's devoted to you. Guys, I think that's so important for us to remember Jesus is devoted to us. He died on the cross for you and I and he rose from the dead. He's devoted to accomplishing in your life what only he can accomplish And so for these women and these disciples, it probably felt like the end, as if Jesus had let them down, that he failed them. But in fact, he didn't fail them. He was victorious for them. You realize when they thought Jesus failed, he was actually victorious, but they just couldn't see it yet. So when it seems like Jesus isn't there, I want to encourage you with this. It may be that he's working things out far better than you could ever imagine. That's what took place with these women. That's what took place with with these disciples. They thought it was gone, but he was making it far better than they could have ever imagined. I think that's a truth that you and I can remember in our lives. He's doing something even when we can't see it. Stay devoted. Stay devoted to him. The second thing I want you to do this New Year's is this. Build your life upon the truth of the resurrection. Build your life on the truth of the resurrection. That is such an important thing for us to do as the women arrived at the tomb There was an earthquake, second in three days, as a matter of fact. And with this earthquake, there was an unlikely guest. It says that there was an angel that showed up, and he's sitting on top of a stone that was rolled away. This angel was hanging out. As a matter of fact, they were so frightened. I would say that the guards were so frightened. The word that describes the guards' fright is the same word that we would get our word seismic from. There was an earthquake that took place inside their minds and their hearts. These battle-trained guards that saw this, they were scared stiff. They they weren't ready for this. They saw this angel with lightning. As a matter of fact, the scripture describes this angel as as he uh, was appearing to them like lightning in his clothes as white as snow. Why is that? Because this angel had been in the presence of God. He was reflecting the glory of God. And they were scared to death. The women, as they saw this angel, I think that they probably began to experience this fear, but the angel looked at them and said, listen, y'all don't have anything to be afraid of. Don't be afraid. I'm here to give you good news. I'm here to help you be able to, show, to see you exactly what you need to see. And he says this amazing phrase, he is not here. He's not here. He's risen from the dead, and I I love what Luke adds to this. Luke actually says, why do you seek the living among the dead? Jesus is alive. Man, that's motivation if I've ever heard any. And that's something that as we look at this, we can build upon the truth of this resurrection. The angel basically gives proof to these women. He, He says basically, guys, come here. Look inside the tomb. Now, I want to ask you a question. Maybe you've never thought about this before. But you know that a few days after this, Jesus... Uh, I believe, literally walks through a wall as the disciples are meeting. Why in the world did the angel move the stone? Jesus could have gotten out on his own. 
Why in the world did he take the time to cause this seismic earthquake that the Marys felt to the point where they get there and the stone's gone? Why? Because Jesus didn't need it. Jesus did not need for anybody to get him out of the tomb. Why was the, to- the stone moved from the tomb? Not for Jesus. For you and I. Guys, this is an incredible truth. You need to understand that this, the stone was rolled away not for the sake of Jesus, but for the sake of you and I. Not so that Jesus could get out, but so that you and I could look in. You need to understand something. There's a lot of people that say the resurrection didn't really happen, that it's impossible. And yes, it is impossible, but praise the Lord, God does the impossible, right? And so when we think about the resurrection, it is one of those things that is far more powerful than you and I could ever imagine or contemplate. Jesus had the power to be resurrected and and walk through this wall, and yet the angel moved this stone for you and me to have the proof that we needed to be able to see with our own eyes. You see, here's the reality. Christianity rises or falls on the resurrection. Which is why many people want to deny the resurrection, to tell us Christians to be quiet, close their mouths and go away. But the truth is the resurrection happened. These women saw it. The disciples ran to the tomb. They saw it. They got to go inside, and they wrote about it. We know that it is reality. More than that, I would say this. Your life, your very life rises and falls on the resurrection. You realize that? If the resurrection didn't happen, then we are all in trouble. This event is central to all of Christianity in every single way. If it didn't happen, there is absolutely no reason for you and I to be in this room. You know how strange it is for a bunch of adults to gather and sing songs together? Okay? Right? People outside the walls of this church that are not believers look at us and think, man, y'all are strange. And I say, who cares? I know Jesus. Right? And so you look at this reality of what we are doing this morning. It doesn't make sense if the resurrection ever took place. And because it did, we have motivation for our lives. If it didn't happen, then there is no Christianity at all. If it did not happen, then there is no salvation, no hope, no forgiveness for you. Paul put it this way in second, or excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which I think is a beautiful text. But he, he was dealing with the same doubts that some people deal with when it comes to the resurrection. And this is what Paul says. If Christ has not been raised from the dead, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. It's not good. 17, he says... And if Christ has not been raised from the dead, then your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. You're not forgiven if the resurrection didn't happen, is what he's saying. Verse 19, if in Christ we have hope, it is in this life. If we have hope in Christ in this life only, we of all people are most pitied. But I want to read to you verse 20, which is the most wonderful, beautiful, powerful verse of this passage. But in fact, Christ has raised from the dead. Listen, because of that, you and I have the ability to have forgiveness and have a new life, have something that we don't deserve. Later in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, Paul tells us that the resurrection is so essential that you cannot be saved unless you believe that Jesus rose from the dead. You know that? If somebody says, well, I believe that Jesus is a Savior, but I don't believe he rose from the dead, they are not a Christian, and they are not going to heaven, according to Romans 10, 9. You can go and look that passage up later, but it's so important. It's, a, it's pivotal to our lives in every way. 
But what does it mean to build your life upon the resurrection? What does it mean for you and I to say, I'm going to put my life upon everything that the resurrection is about? First of all, I would ask the question, how often do you actually think about the fact that Jesus rose from the dead? Guys, this is one of those things that it it, it only happened with Jesus, okay, that that he didn't die again, right? You say, what about Lazarus? Well, Lazarus died again, but Jesus didn't. Because of that, we have motivation. Do you think about that reality? Do you realize that truth? Does it give you the sense of power that I can move forward in my life? It ought to. Because can I remind you of something? Dead people don't come back from the dead. But Jesus did. He did for you and I that we might be able to experience not just motivation, but true life. A powerful life. A life that would allow us to overcome sin. And all of the crazy things that take place in our lives, if Jesus has overcome your worst problem of death, then he can overcome every other problem in your life. I want to say that again because I'm not sure you heard me. If Jesus can overcome your worst problem of sin and death, then I can promise he can overcome every other problem in your life. Now, that doesn't mean he rescues you from all of those problems, but it may mean that he carries you through them. He has that power. That ought to give you motivation as well as you move through this next year. If Jesus got up and out of that tomb, he gives us the power to rise in our situations and to live in light of who he is and to live ultimately for him. That's what we need to be about in 2023. The third thing I want you to see in the rule change that we might put in our life, and this is an important one, live a life of immediate obedience. Live a life of immediate obedience Look at the woman's response to the angel. Look, the angel says, hey, go find the disciples and tell them. Now, it's amazing to me. You know what they did once they heard this angel say go? They went. They went. They took off and they ran. They said, I'm going. Okay, let's let's get this done. We've got to make sure and do exactly what this angel said. Because he's alive, because he's risen, we can do this very thing. Notice that they didn't sit there and stop. And contemplate because they didn't have all the details. They didn't look at the angel and say, hey, uh, now, can you tell me exactly where he's going to be? Can you tell me exactly how he came back to life? Can you tell me this? Can you t-? They didn't do that. They said, he said that, I'm going to go. He gave me a command, I'm going to go. And they did exactly what the angel said. They were immediately obedient. They were just given uh, the, the minimal information of an impossible event and said, go tell him." And they said, I'm going to go and do that very thing. You know, when I was a kid uh, in Oklahoma City here, the zoo had just put in a dolphin exhibit. Dolphin show, right? It was one of those things that we couldn't wait to see. We got to go on a field trip. And we were sitting there waiting for the show to start. And one of the zoo workers came up to me and said, hey, would you like to be a part of the show? Okay, if you don't know me yet, I'm an information guy. Uh, i got to have all the information I can before I make any decision. You can ask my wife. It takes me months before I really get there and I'm ready to make a decision. She's like, hurry up, let's get this game going. So th- this zoo worker comes up and says, hey, would you like to be part of the show? You know what my response was? What do I have to do? Oh, it's going to be fun. Come on, you're going to have a great time. It'll be great. Okay, but what am I going to do? What's required of me, right? I was ready to know more information before I made this decision. When at that time, a young kid next to me, one of my classmates said, I'll do it. And the whole show, I sat there and watched this kid get down there and feed the dolphins. And I'm sitting up in my seat, angry 
and mad, thinking, that should have been me. Right? I wouldn't make a decision because I didn't have all the information. I wasn't ready to immediately jump out there and go because I wanted to know more. Praise the Lord, these women didn't act like that. Praise the Lord, these women said, God, through the angel, gave us a command, I'm going. I'm going to do this very thing, and I'm going to pursue what he has called me to do. Listen, I want to encourage you with this. When God calls you to go, there's no room for debate or contemplation. There's no room for debate. You ought to never look at God and say, hey, but wait, a God, wait, God, i got a better idea. Because you don't. The reality is there's no better ideas than what God offers to us, and he has a better plan than you have for your life. Can I reiterate that? In 2023, you've got your plans, don't you? They're not better than God's plans. God may call an audible in your life and say, hey, you need to do this. Hey, you need to come in this direction. You need to do this or that. You need to change the thing that you were thinking. You don't stop and say, but wait a minute, God, I've really thought this through, and I don't think that's right. No, the proper thing is to say, yes, Lord. That brings up another thought. You realize that there's no other word that will go alongside of Lord than yes. It's not possible to say no, Lord. That's an oxymoron. Because if you've called him Lord, that means you have submitted your life under his lordship, under his rule. You've said, God, be my boss in all things. And so if you ever say no, Lord, you are contradicting what you have said in your confession of Lord, be my savior and be my Lord. Right? So you better never say, no, Lord, that's not, where we are allowed. that's not what we are allowed to do. If he is Lord, the answer to his call is always yes. It's always yes. We have such a hard time with this, don't we? Because we're autonomous people. I want to call the shots in my life. I want to do the things that I want to do. It's hard for us in those moments because we want to do what we want to do. But the reality is, if he's Lord, he's Lord. And if we've confessed him as Lord, then we obey. We need to do that in an immediate response. So I want to encourage you in 2023 as you move forward, when God calls you, and you know what, sometimes that simply is, as you read scripture, you obey scripture. People, we don't sometimes equate the reality that this is the voice of the Lord, so we ought to be listening by reading, and we ought to be doing whenever we read that God calls us to do something. The the fourth thing I want you to see uh, for 2023 is this. Let the promise of seeing him face to face be your motivation in life. Let the promise of seeing him face to face be your motivation for all of life. When we look at verses 9 through 10, what we see is that these ladies were given a promise. The angel had given these ladies a promise in order for them to be able to experience something Verse 9, and behold, Jesus met them. He says, listen, the angel told them, if you'll go, if you'll go, you'll have the opportunity to experience Jesus in an amazing way. And that amazing thing was to see him face to face, to be able to experience. You see, when these women were obedient, it was accompanied by the presence of Jesus. Isn't that an amazing reality? If we are obedient to Jesus, Jesus walks with us side by side. When we say no, because here's the reality, what happens? No, Jesus stays there. And if we keep going kind of like Jonah, Jesus doesn't move. He says, hey, I'm over here. 
until we say, okay, or God causes something happen in our life where it forces us like a fish swallows us and says, no, 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 you're going to do this anyways. Right? So we've got to be about being obedient and knowing that when we are obedient, the presence of Jesus is going to be there with us. Isn't that an amazing promise? That we would have the ability to have the presence of Christ right there with us. When we obey, he's going to give us the strength to be able to deal with all kinds of things. It's always best to be along with Jesus rather than away from Jesus. To pursue Christ so that he's with you rather than trying to go it on your own. Notice that the angel promised that they would see Jesus in Galilee in verse 7. Do this and you'll see Jesus. And then... Jesus promised that if they and the disciples uh, would obey, they would see him again in Galilee. So two times the promise is, you'll see Jesus in Galilee from the angel and then from Jesus himself. This proved to be their motivation. This proved to be their motivation. Hey, I get to see Jesus. You mean I'm going to get to see the resurrected Lord? He's alive from the dead and I get to see him face to face? I'm ready. That was their motivation. Jesus he was the Lord of their life. They loved him. Their life was in him. Their life was him. And so they promised, the promise to get to see him motivated them to do all that they could to pursue what the angel had said. So what's the application for us? There will be a time when all believers get to see Jesus face to face. Guys, there, there's a time when you and I are going to have that opportunity when we leave this earth to look into the face of Jesus face to face. The question is, does that motivate you? Does that move the needle at all? Do you long to see the face of Jesus? Do you long to see the face of Jesus? Is it something that you would say, I want that more than anything else? The seeing Jesus one day motivates you to keep going in this life in Christianity. You know, there's an old hymn, uh, Turn Your Eyes on Jesus. You guys have sang that, I'm, I'm sure, hundreds of times, right? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. But you know what that song says? When I look at his face, everything else disappears. Can I encourage you in 2023, would you seek to see the essence of his face in scripture and long to see his face face to face so that it becomes such a motivation that you say, I'm ready to do things different in my life. I'm ready to change up how I live my life. I'm ready to do the opposite of some of the things that I've been doing that have caused much pain. You know, in 1867, there was a Swedish chemist by the name of Alfred Nobel. Well, he awoke one morning to read his own obituary. How would you like that? So he reads this uh, local newspaper in the obituary. It said this, Alfred Nobel, the inventor of dynamite, who died yesterday, devised a way for more people to be killed in a war than ever before. He died a very rich man. Well, actually, it was Alfred's brother that died, not Alfred. But the author of this particular newspaper got it wrong and put the wrong name in and, and wrote the wrong obituary. But the account had such a profound effect on Alfred that he decided that he wanted to be known for something other than developing a means to kill people efficiently, amassing a fortune in the process. And so Alfred Nobel initiated the Nobel Prize. 
back in 1867. And this prize was in order for, uh, to be given to scientists and writers that fostered and promoted peace. And this is what he said. Every man ought to have a chance to correct his epitaph in midstream and write a new note. I want to encourage you with something this morning. The resurrection makes that possible for you and I at this very moment. We have the ability, because of the resurrection, to change the direction of our life, to move in a different direction. Today is a good day to set this year in the right direction. Today is a good day for you to say, I'm doing things differently. Today is a good day for a do-over, isn't it? Honestly, with the grace of Jesus Christ, every day is a good day for a do-over. But let's just talk about resolutions for this morning because it is a new year. Let's let today be a day that we would pursue Christ as Josh prayed. And thank you for that prayer, Josh. That we would have his kingdom be the priority in everything in our life. So I would encourage you to evaluate your life. Would you evaluate your life this morning? I want you to think about how you live 2022. I want you to think how you did certain things, maybe some things that you didn't like, some things that you regret. Think about things that you did well. I want you to think about 2022, and now I want you to think about this new do-over, this ability, this fresh start that you get right here, right now because of the grace of Jesus Christ. And I want you to think, how can I move in a different direction, in a new way, with great motivation, because the resurrection, in fact, took place. It is when you set Christ above all things that all things will begin to come together and make sense. Would you bow your heads this morning? Close your eyes. And just for a moment, I want you to contemplate. Just for a moment, I want you to consider what is it this morning that I need to change? Is there a do-over that needs to take place? Is there something that I need to do differently in my life as a believer in Jesus Christ? Is there something that I need to eradicate from my life because it is causing me issues? Maybe there's a specific sin. You know, there's an old Puritan pastor by the name of John Owen who said, be killing sin or it will be killing you. Is there a sin that's killing you? Is there a sin throughout 2022 that has wreaked havoc in your life? Are you willing to say, Jesus, I need a do-over right now, right here. Would you help me? Would you forgive me and give me the motivation to move forward? You might be here this morning and say, man, I just showed up. I thought that I knew Jesus, but you know what? I need to be able to have that desire to see him face to face, and I don't have that because I don't know him. Maybe you're here this morning and you would say, Drew, the do-over that I need this morning is that I would make Jesus my Lord and my Savior. Maybe that's you this morning. In just a moment, Tom's going to sing... And we're going to have the opportunity to worship just like the Marys bowed and grabbed a hold of Jesus' feet and they worshiped him. We ought to worship after we hear him speak through the preaching of his word. But we also ought to respond. If God is calling you to do something, don't contemplate. Don't sit there and think, well, maybe, but wait, Lord. But hey, what about this guy? Would you just immediately obey? I want to ask everybody to stand to your feet this morning. In a moment, as Tom sings, would you worship? Would you tell Christ how great he is through the song? But if you need to respond, would you be obedient?